Hey, everybody. Welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host. And I've got a great conversation for you today. I sat down with Kathy Jenkins Walsh. Uh, Kathy is a member of Sacred Heart Parish here in North Omaha. She's also a member of the mentorship program here for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Talking about their efforts to use small groups to reach out beyond the periphery. Kathy shares some really great, beautiful stories about the discernment process their parish went through. She talks about just her own journey, uh, the way her parents inspired her, uh, letting her know how important it was that when she was present at Mass, at the community, that it mattered if she was there. Uh, she talks about how really the, the prayer that they embraced as part of their uh, small group initiative over Lent totally transformed their pastoral council. A lot of great, great nuggets Kathy drops in this conversation. Take a listen. Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha, designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Welcome to the EquipCast. How are you? I am well, thank you. Feeling great. Good. Okay, so we've known each other for a little while, although we've had a lot of wonderful conversations. We have not had kind of like the, hey, where did you first encounter Jesus? What's your story? I mean, I know a, a little bit, but just, you know how this goes. It's kind of, you know, first thing in the EquipCast, as you introduce yourself here, tell people a little bit about your story. Oh my, I would say I was kind of, I kind of took my first breath in the Catholic faith. I am number 11 of 12, and I come from a large Catholic family. Every day, honestly, my mom reminded us that Jesus loved us and that we always heard that sometime in the day. Maybe each kid heard it at a different time of the day, but um, wow. Yeah, super grateful. My mom was a daily mass goer and she lived her faith with a smile on her face, always looking to bring friends together and include those who needed a friend the most. Mm. And she did that with, with 12 kids. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. I have four, Jim. I know you have what, five? We have six. Yep. Six. Okay. So it's a good challenge for us. Yeah. Let's do it. I mean, at a certain point, I think it's around the like, you know, it's a little, you know, my dad came from a family of 10 and many of his siblings had 10, 11, 12, even a 15 up in Cedar County. Oh boy. I mean, they were all up in Cedar County, but these days, yeah, once you get past four, it, it really, it, it really is. It's like, gosh, I am so far beyond my experience base, comfort level, and many of the people around me that it's just the chaos has a way of, I don't know, maybe coming back around and there, there's a joyfulness and a freedom in it because you know the Lord is clearly in charge because I can't can't do this on my own. Amen. Amen. And probably helped a little bit being number 11 because mm -hmm. some of those kids were already starting to go off to college or, yeah, you know, so. Old enough to be helpful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so just awesome experience. My dad was a doctor at Creighton St. Joe. So he mm. brought faith in action to us and just always was a good reminder that we had a responsibility. We were given mm. much and we had a responsibility to those who had less. And, you know, whether that meant money or opportunity or less education, that was 
that was what was imparted for sure. So the two of them were quite a great pair. They both came from families of three. Wow. Okay. So they, they did not know a big family, but all of our neighborhood, really, most of our neighborhood had families of five and up. So most of them were Catholic. So we were really surrounded in that Catholic culture, all things good, different kinds of, you know, now in this day, you know, political culture, whatever. It didn't matter. We were all Catholic. We were all going Mm -hmm. to St. Pius or St. Leo's, living out our faith in different ways. So, uh, so blessed to have all those other adults care about us so deeply and have a similar value system. Mm. So my, my other 11 siblings really helped also to raise us and I think really also be great models of faith faith in action. Yeah. You know, every night we'd kneel down and say that our father, Hail Mary, dear angel of grace, God, and uh, include the, um, who do you want to pray for? So we kind of, although Mm -hmm. we weren't doing spontaneous prayer, we were hearing what everybody, what was on everybody else's heart. So this was a group thing. So the group would kneel down together. Time for prayer. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. It was awesome. We didn't, my mom prayed the rosary. Sometimes probably novenas for different, uh-huh. <laughs> different children. I do have a brother that's a priest. And he says that when he was little, he uh, was really struggling in like fourth grade. Now he's like, has more brains than anybody that we know. But uh, <laughs> so she, she sat down with him and they did a novena, you know, for nine days. And he, um, he said that really turned it around for me. <laughs> But I mean, it was just that simple, short prayer that we just always knew. That's what we did. Just kind of like same thing Mm -hmm. with Sunday mass. That is what we did. There was no, there wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. I don't ever remember a a guilt thing. I mean, really, I felt like my siblings modeled that. I mean, they Mm -hmm. just did. This is what we do. And they might've grabbed a Sunday bulletin here or there (laughs) acted like they did, but they put on a great show for me for sure. But um, honestly, praise God, every one of my siblings is practicing Catholic Christian. Wow. I mean, that is statistically very, very rare these days, this day and age. And honestly, they are as kind and yeah, it is just, it's beyond blessing and so super grateful for all those role models. We went to St. Pius X, all of us, the servants of Mary, the Jesuits at Prep, the servants of Mary at Marion and, and mm. the RSCJs at Duchenne, you know, education was held in high esteem at our home and certainly respect for those people. My mom and dad always gave great credit and gratitude for all those religious that helped raise us. Yeah you know, held us accountable for things that, that mattered. So, wow. So grateful. So Kathy, that's, that's a beautiful Catholic upbringing. When would you say you made the faith your own? I would say that high school was really the time that I had encounters with Jesus, started to learn how to really listen to what God had to say for me in my life. Hmm. And then I went on to KU, University of Kansas, and okay. really Rock appreciated Rock. the Newman Center there. Yeah. Although I was in a sorority, that was really my home away from home. Mm-hmm. Just um, amazing opportunities for growth and really making the parish my own. Then I graduated from there. And that summer, a friend was tragically killed 
by a gunshot mm. in Washington, D.C. And that tragic moment really was a, a fork in the road for me. I was about, you know, I was about to be a young adult and kind of mm -hmm. starting off on my own. I was so used to always going to mass and seeking out, but I was angry. I was angry at God. I was just mm -hmm. so disillusioned and sad. And uh, my priest from the Newman Center said, Kathy, you just got to keep showing up. It might be dry. It might be really hard, but you got to keep showing up because you matter. You matter to all of those other people here. Mm. For me, that was really the time that I, I learned that even when it's not fun, the homily isn't, you know, what you needed that week. It is about the body of Christ. It is about showing up. Jim, I know you have mm. kids in high school and college. It's, mm -hmm. it's one of those like, yeah, I know. And so I tell them, just keep showing up because you matter. You matter when you're not in that pew. Mm -hmm. You don't even know. Wow. That's beautiful. That was a fork in the road. And I just want to encourage, you know, any adults to, to make sure they're recognizing that, but also that, you know, it's a good, it's a good word to hear that from another adult to a young person. Yeah. I love that. I mean, for so many reasons, but partially because there's a, there's a calling element there. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. so beyond like the, the guilt thing, or you need yeah. this. It's yeah. like, no, you are needed. Mm -hmm. But why? Nobody cares that I'm there. Yeah, your smile. Maybe you're going to give a smile to an older person that's been mm -hmm. in their home for the last week. Or, you know, yeah. maybe you're going to receive the Eucharist and be present to someone else later in the day. You don't know. You don't know what God has to do, but it matters that you're not there. Kathy, would you say, given that background, was it a foregone conclusion that you would have ended up in ministry? Or was there a particular kind of shift that drew you there? So I was a teacher, a grade school teacher. <laughs> this is a funny one. Father Tom was here at Sacred Heart and Father mm -hmm. Dave was coming to Sacred Heart. And I had just stayed at home with our kids for how many ever years. And I was looking for just a little something. I was substitute teaching, but not finding. And I prayed. I said, okay, God, you know, there's going to be this switch. They're moving to different places. They're both dear friends of mine. You know, if there's anything that would come open and sure enough, beloved parishioner here, Joyce Glenn, that had coordinated our CIA was retiring. And so they were looking for just someone to mm. do that position. And so I got that call and it just seemed like I'm a teacher. I would love to be there. I'd love to do that. So. Wow. So that's a, that's a recent, I mean, relatively five years, five years. Yeah. yeah. But that, yeah, that's a relatively recent, the, I mean, again, of course, teaching is a ministry, right. but working for the church, working for adults. Okay. That's a new adventure. You know, what the Lord did with your upbringing really was a gift. And we, you know, we've talked a little bit about this before, before we started to hit record your gratitude for what the Lord has done in your life continues to propel now your service. So you work at you know, Sacred Heart Catholic Church in uh, North Omaha, a, a beautiful community. I mean, really so unique. You really have to experience it to, to get a feel for it. Tell people a little bit about Sacred Heart, uh, the community, the neighborhood, uh, some of the history, if you want. Give, give people an introduction to the Sacred Heart community. 
I would say people come here um, often because of the welcoming community that they hear about mm-hmm. and music. We have we have amazing music at our three masses, 5, 8, 15, and 1030, all very different. And because of that, the communities that are exist within those are different. Mm. Thing I would say this is a parish that is committed to issues of social justice and feels really called to reach out to the neighbors and work on things that are we feel like we can speak up for. Mm-hmm. I would say it works we're actually looking quite forward to our journey of faith. We have been trying to create a relationship with St. Benedict the more mm-hmm. That relationship was severed. Um, it's just been a, a challenge from the past of, you know, maybe how the people that were part of Sacred Heart before, there was some racial history of specifically in relation to the people of the Benedict the more. So St. Benedict the Moor is a predominantly, it is a Black Catholic community. Mm-hmm. And historically, they and Sacred Heart have been really struggling in a relationship from the past about mm-hmm. our treatment of them and the people that have come before them. Kind yeah. of somebody used to say, you know what, you need to go worship at that church. That's the Black church. And we just really have been working actually since Archbishop Lucas has been here about repairing those, those wounds. And, Mm -hmm. and now we look forward to even more working with them in our family of faith. Uh, We've had a couple of meetings already, and we really look forward to that opportunity to share our gifts with each other. Mm -hmm. And we even this, this year, we invited them into this space sharing experience that we're going to talk about and they created some of their own groups because we're a bigger parish. They wanted to come to, to the training with us. And so it was a great collaborative experience. Yeah. It, it's a beautiful story. Well, I should say it's becoming a beautiful story. It was, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, tragic. I mean, a hundred years ago, I think if I remember right, you know, as we're celebrating the hundredth anniversary of St. Benedict the Moor, what we're really celebrating is a hundred years ago, this parish kicked out the black members mm-hmm. of uh, of their parish and said, no, you guys need to go someplace else. And what the Lord has been doing and the intentional effort, you, Father Dave, to, to bring the communities together to foster unity and healing, uh, not done yet, but it's it's been beautiful. It's been really fun to watch. It is just beginning. And we hope in time, right, God will show us how to use our gifts together. Yeah. In that endeavor, the Lord gave you, you know, kind of a common project. You all had this desire to say, okay, we want to do outreach. You know, again, for for those who are not from Omaha, Archbishop Lucas called for parishes to rediscover their missionary identity, you know, to become missional communities. And there's a whole lot of things that are now at the service of that. You mentioned Journey of Faith, which is our pastoral planning process. And then there was also a kind of a big effort with an um, initiative called Live Lent Together. You all really grabbed onto that as, as a way to do outreach. Talk about where did the desire come from? What was kind of stirring within you all that this seemed like the right opportunity? So about 20 of our parish leaders did a discernment process, much of the pandemic, probably. Yeah. 
oh, almost a year where we really prayed about where we want to be in the next five years. And certainly yeah. with the archdiocesan, with that call to mission that was at the forefront, we learned how to discern and uh, we formed small groups within those groups of 20. And we prayed, we prayed weekly and we met monthly and spent hours listening, listening to what the Lord had planned for us in the next five years. It turns out that one of our, we're calling them apostolic priorities, um, was to create a culture of encounter and generosity so that we were not only coming to know each other, but that we were being generous with our gifts. So that was one of the things that helped us to also invite St. Benedict the Moor. But another apostolic priority that came out of that was cultivate meaningful personal relationships with God and with each other. Mm -hmm. So we said that was the most important thing. So we said, how do you do that? Well, small faith sharing groups. At Sacred Heart during Lent, we've had small faith sharing groups for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, not a new thing, but new to not do it just in Lent. So we yeah. thought even, uh, let's see, last fall and last summer, we used the Encounter Mercy series and we just invited anybody that wanted to do that. That was during Lent. And then the other one was Gather. That was the most recent one, right, Jim? Mm -hmm. Yes. So what, what this is, is we knew that we needed small groups. We we knew the fruit of that because some of these groups have been going on for 30 years, you know, or 20 at least. They play cards together in other parts of the year and things like that. But during the pandemic, we had used these encounter series just to do on Zoom. We got a couple of Zoom accounts. We said, mm -hmm. we've got to connect with each other. These people need each other. So we started with some of those. Then we moved on to different. We gave people an option of Mercy and a Fratelli 2D group. Mm. So that was two different kinds of small group faith sharing groups. We invited people from around the country for both of those. But Again, I know that so many people enjoyed Encounter Mercy. That really brought so many people comfort to be with each other, even over Zoom. Yeah. I mean, it's just, this is, it's Lexio Divina. There's a, there's a journaling component in it, but it's just listening to the word of God to, together, which tends to do special stuff. And before, before the pandemic hit, we, Father Dave would talk to us about discernment. You know, I, I, as being, you know, maybe a newbie in the ministry world, I was like, you know, I don't think people really know. I don't know what we need to teach them. We need to walk with them. Yeah. And so we said, how do we do this? Well, yeah. how do we at least first get them to read the gospel before they show up on Sunday so that they can better appreciate your word. Yeah. That was kind of the first step of seeing the fruit of that. How's that work? If people actually do do that, are they understanding the gospel better? Are they listening to his word? Are they learning better because of that? So that was probably a first start. Mm -hmm. And then again, we'll fast forward. We're going to head on to, uh, so we've had some history, certainly with small face sharing groups. We know the fruits of them. Mm -hmm. In Advent of maybe last year, we he invited us to read a book called Love Your Enemies. Mm -hmm. And we did some small face sharing groups with that. I'm going to go ahead and say this Lent, 
we uh, took all the advice from the parish support team and really tried to dive into using what they knew already from how to form a small face sharing group, how to lead a small face sharing group. The parish support team invited everybody to try Gather, Mm -hmm. which was only a three-week kind of Lexio Divina, it's called RAP program. They invited us to try that with a small group. The first thing you were supposed to do is pray about who you would invite. Yeah. Whoa, that is a difficult thing to encourage people to do that have always been used to people signing up in the pew for the Lenten face sharing group. So we probably invited from, let's see, Father Dave from the announcements. I bet you we did it four, five weeks in a row. Wow. Please pray about leading a small face sharing group. Please pray. Maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the one that's going to be the leader. And then start praying about who God might invite you to lead. Like, so you said you didn't invite people like, hey, please sign up. You're like, no, 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 no. Please think about leading. And please think about who you're supposed to invite. Yes. Wow. I mean, that is definitely several steps ahead of usually the first effort for parishes. Like, hey, we're doing groups. Please come. (laughs) Well, and and but that's what we're, you know, hey, we're doing groups. Please come sign up. Okay. So we we invited them to consider leading. Well, you know, the same old people that have always led were happy to show up. But what we didn't realize is they were probably thinking we were going to find the people, you know? Yeah. Some of them thinking, or they're just going to use the same old people. Well, the parish support team says, oh, 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 six, you know, four to six people. Yeah. So some of these groups are like 15, you know? Right. And so we had to really ask them to pray about, hmm, could you somehow maybe every other week make it six and really share more meaningful, give yourself time. Cause otherwise you can't do all that in an hour. Yeah. The, <laughs> the human dynamics change a right. lot when you get more than six or eight. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we got a couple of leaders from that. And then we, as a staff went to prayer and we just really spent a lot of time in wrap ourselves Mm-hmm. just asking the Holy Spirit to lead us, lead us to names. And so we, you know, we'd kind of toss out any names that way. And then I will admit, we did take the directory and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> that person, we get that person. That's good. great. That's awesome. So we came up with a pretty decent list, probably like 50 people between our prayer and the other, but sure enough, guess what? A lot of those people, it wasn't a prayer. It was pointing out, you know, they didn't come forward in the same way. You know, they were like, oh, I've never led before. And so what we did, we kept inviting people to just come to the Live Lent Together training. Right. Just come check it out. Just come check it out. And that did help. I mean, most of the people that went to the training did sign up to be a leader. Yeah. That was great news. So Kathy, did I hear you right? You said the difference between the names that you, that surfaced during prayer versus the ones that you circled as you went through the directory, you feel like you noticed a follow through with those that the Lord brought to your attention versus those that just happened to be circled. Did I catch that right? Yes, you did. You did. Kathy, talk more because you mentioned this discernment process. 
that you all went through. I mean, not just the discernment for leaders, but even just the discernment of kind of like, okay, these are the priorities of our parish. You invested some time in getting like, okay, what does it mean for us to discern as, as a group? How do we hear the Lord's voice mm-hmm. as, as a team and as a, as a community? Say a little bit more about that. Eileen Burke Sullivan from Creighton led Mm -hmm. us in this discernment program. And, you know, sometimes it was, you know, it was a college class. You you know, like, wait a minute, let's just get to the praying. Anyway, what we learned in these smaller groups was that, you know, this rap method or Alexia, whichever one you choose is oh, it's so fruitful. It's so we have started to since Lent is over our staff, our parish council. Both of them, we spend at least an hour in prayer. Wow. Praying over Sunday's readings. And our staff is only, there's only five of us. Yeah. And if there's somebody that's coming to meet with one of us, we invite them to at least come and have the experience. But I mean, it has been a game changer for our parish council. I mean, yeah, whatever doesn't so get radical. done, it's, it is amazing. Alexander Cayetano, who actually put together our Live Lent book, leads us in those in the prayers at Parish Council. Oh my gosh. I mean, he's even figured out a way to put agenda items that we don't really need to talk about, you know, mm-hmm. like what color of <laughs> socks to wear. He's yeah, figured everybody's out, been there. Yeah. He's figured out a way to put those in a, you know, a format so that we don't have, that we can use 45 minutes, an hour in prayer. Wow. Talk about what, what are some of the benefits you said has been a game changer? Like what's changed? I think we, we trust each other, say as, as a staff and a parish council, I felt like, you know, parish councils can get petty or shut down. No. And I, and I, (laughs) And I, I feel like it allows people, you know, we, we have relationship now. I know what Johnny Shaw just said. Yeah. I know that he's struggling with this or that in our staff meetings, you know, we know how we're coming Yeah, and it helps us to put everything into perspective. I mean, it's like the relationship and the trust and dare I say the love between us makes a difference in how fruitfully we can work together. Mm-hmm. And then to start it off with that, when you're already talking about your faith, it helps kind of anchor everything else yeah. in the right direction. Kathy, you you had this big plan. I know you really wanted to reach out to the neighborhood. You recruited people. You went through the directory. Jesus gave you names. Those people said yes. <laughs> you got people to come to the training. How did it go? Right. I mean, what what worked? What didn't? What did you learn? Tell us about it. One neat thing that we, you know, before we started, we were a little, you know, we had worked on the gather, and then Father Dave, I think, asked the parish support staff, "Do you have the Sunday readings all filled out into the Live Lent Together program?" And and parish staff said, "No, we really can't do that right now. This is the plan for now." And so a parishioner of ours, who was a former Benedictine monk was able to take the Sunday readings, the collect, the psalm, and put that into Live Lent together. And Mm -hmm. since I'm the RCIA coordinator, he was kind enough to do it in cycle C so that we could have the scrutiny readings. Yeah. So that our whole parish or, you know, anybody that wanted to be in a small face sharing group 
could enjoy that. And, and again, our parish council, when we got together to pray, we would use it. And so some of us, I know I was in like three different groups. Yeah. I was listening to that scripture several times a week, you know, which again, helped me to do the work that I was doing because I was so grounded in, in scripture. So, and it, and it was beautiful. I mean, the end result was this like communal Lexio Divina group aid that followed the liturgical readings, right? The movement of Lent. I mean, it's really a beautiful, beautiful resource. And the conversation starters, there's conversation starters, and they were really got people to dig deeply to help them to be more relationship, relational with others. So those, I mean, Alexander, just, it is a piece of art. Yeah. Just the, the, the pictures themselves, but it is just, it was such a gift such a gift she shared. And he just was like, oh yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) What? That's awesome. And it was fun that we were all doing the same. I will say there were two. uh, So we invited people to to engage in this and two groups, actually just one chose to read a Greg Boyle book instead during Lent. And that was fine. You know, it just was what they needed at that time. And that was okay too, but they were getting together in a large face sharing group. We'll just say that. Anyway, um, (laughs) which is awesome. So I told you a little bit about the parish, how we got those people to be leaders. So our neighbors around Sacred Heart and uh, clients that come to the Heart Ministry Center. Which context, 30 seconds, 10 seconds on the Heart Ministry Center for people. Heart Ministry Center is an outreach center that is, uh, we support as a parish, but it is not solely supported by, we just contribute. Mm -hmm. It is a nonprofit in itself, full service pantry. Uh, There's dental care, health care, beautiful opportunity for so many. There's a fresh start program that helps people get back on their feet. Yeah. Okay. So you wanted to reach out, not just to parishioners, but to people in your neighborhood who were coming to the Heart Ministry Center. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell us about it. Uh, We have a neighborhood alliance group that goes door to door and, you know, knocks on the door and gave them a half sheet that said, live Lent together, come go deeper with Jesus. We were going to do binge Jesus, but we decided (laughs) that wasn't going to work very well. So it just pretty much was an opportunity to pray scripture with us. We said in homes, coffee shops, neighborhood locations, or by Zoom. And we did the same thing we handed. So not only did we knock on the door, but several times during the week, about two weeks in a row, we cars that are lined up, unfortunately, for the food pantry. Yeah. We were able to. That much demand. Yeah. Yeah. Greet them with a smile and just say, hey, we'd love to. We'd love to have you come and pray with us. Two groups were meeting during the week in the basement. We even created, I didn't know you could do this, a Google phone number so that if people wanted to text, we made some signs out in the front that said, um, need hope, go deeper with Jesus. So I would say we probably got, I don't know, five texts from that over the time. And yeah, but that's so awesome that you tried. Yeah, we tried. Did we get many of those people to join small face sharing groups? I don't think so. However, we learned a couple of things. Yeah. Kathy, before you talk about what you're like, I love that you're willing to share this story. Like we worked really hard. We made signs. We got a Google number. We reached out flyers and 
and not a lot came from it. Like, I just love the resiliency to like, okay, we're going to really try this. We're actually going to reach out to our neighbors. I mean, the fact that, you know, it didn't bear these overwhelming numbers of people, like in some ways that's just kind of, that's kind of beside the point. And I know you're going to talk about the lessons you you all learned, but like just trying and not being afraid to try that's just so beautiful in and of itself. I, I want to go ahead and say that that is our, our shepherd, Father Dave Korth, that, you know, we're all sitting there like, oh, what are we going to do? You know, kind of hadn't really, Alexander hadn't offered yet. And we were just praying about Lent, talking about Lent. And then Father Dave said, well, of course, we're going to go to the neighbors and the Heart Ministry Center. And, you know, it was a little bit, <laughs> What? And But he has such a missionary heart and just wants to reach out. We invite the neighbors to, last year we had a welcome back back mass and free runzas. We invited them. Anytime we hold a, a major event here, we're having our festival coming up. We invited, mm-hmm. we did the same thing. So this is not new that we did this, but we've never invited them to pray. Yeah. So we were extra excited of the possibility Right, because it's who you really are. I mean, Runza for right for the non-Nebraskans, it's this oh, really yeah. great cabbage meat all wrapped in a single bun thing. A little harder to describe than I expected as I started to say anyway. But like Runza's great, but Jesus is better. Like, right? That's yes. the, that's the that's the heart of what we really have to offer. Yeah. And I just think it's so cool that you were not paralyzed by the fear of failure or of trying something new or the awkwardness of making new friends that you actually try to reach out mm-hmm. to your neighbors. We do. We have an amazing neighborhood Alliance team that is great about going and really trying to build relationships with our neighbors. Cause that's what you do with neighbors. Yeah. How did it go? I mean, I, I, we know how it went. I mean, I'm sorry. What did you learn? What we learned is something that the parish support team already taught us probably was what we are hopeful that we will do next time is find a leader at the Heart Ministry Center, for instance, Mm. that would be willing to lead a group that somebody that they already know and trust. They have a relationship with this person. There are quite a few people in the Heart Ministry Center community Mm -hmm. that are very faithful people. This study, you don't need to be Catholic it's scripture, right? It's Jesus' yeah. words. That is something we have in common with many of our neighbors. Yes. So again, that relational component of finding somebody that's a comfortable, you know, they already trust that person because they're yeah. connected to a place that that helps them already. Yes. And that's like, I mean, Kathy, you know this, but like it, that's the kind of behind the curtain secret sauce of forcing people to build their own groups by invitation. Mm-hmm. rather than just do signups. Because mm-hmm. when you build your own groups, you have access to people. And sometimes to our surprise and, and momentary terror, the Lord will put someone on our heart that we did not expect because we're, we're the only link he has there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. What else did you learn? Relationship. What else? What else did we learn? We learned how important it is to check in with the leaders fairly soon. We had thought that maybe we'd meet them halfway mm-hmm. and have a nice lunch and get us together and just kind of hash everything out. How's it going? Do you need any help together as a leader community? Mm-hmm. We did that. 
And that went amazingly well. We did a lot of small, small group conversation kind of broke out after a while, but say there was one group person that she just decided she was going to do a group. She was going to do a zoom group. She told us about it. She invited her two friends to do it and then wanted us to find the other people. Well, nobody happened to sign up for that time Mm -hmm. and her friends started not coming. So all of a sudden, you know, halfway through I'm checking in. She's like, well, I didn't really have anybody. What? You know, you used to have people, what happened? So I felt terrible that I hadn't checked in earlier. So um, we had about 12 groups, about half on Zoom. Mm. The men only and the women only seemed to be very attractive to people. Mm. The young adults, the only thing we had offered was Zoom and they were not happy about that, but that's what the person needed to do that was leading that group. So it was, that was kind of an eye opener that Mm. young adults, they were ready to get out after the pandemic and they're done with zoom because they probably spent all day on it at the office. And yeah. Yeah. But on the other hand, middle-aged people seem to be pretty great with zoom because it was not one more place they needed to leave their home or their family Mm -hmm. in the evening. Some of these groups are, have just formed amazing, amazing friendships. They have continued on, you know, and they were not people, they're all from, they all were from similar communities. So the, the 1030 people kind of glommed onto the 1030 mass goers. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe they had seen them once or twice or shook their hand during the sign of peace. So they, you know, they kind but a couple of the groups are, you know, they get together and play cards now. Yeah. Every week after, after that. Yeah. It's like there was some natural community that was there in potential, but that came to fruition because of the excuse and the opportunity excuse, Mm -hmm. not not a great word for it, but like the opportunity to actually, okay, let's actually get to know each other. Mm -hmm. Let's get to know each other with Jesus at the center. Mm -hmm. Just kind of, as we, as we start to, to wrap up here, yeah, there's so many beautiful desires. What are some of the hopes and dreams that you all have for the future? The small groups have been a part of the Sacred Heart community for many years. You did something new this year, stepped into that, you know, in a new way. What what are your what are your hopes for the future? Let's see. We are praying about the fall, kind of what that will look for. Um, we are hoping this summer to check in with those small face sharing group leaders and see what. Do you have a plan to meet during that time? In the fall, we hope to start up these small face sharing groups again. So we'll kind of just, Alexander will create a new, you know, maybe a Mm -hmm. six week, five week, six week. Last year we did Advent. I'm thinking maybe we will do the fall and Mm -hmm. maybe not Advent. I don't know. Just that seemed like a heart, you know, people had a lot of excuses during that time. So Mm -hmm. maybe make that more optional, but I just, we think we are seeing so much fruit from people praying the Sunday readings and learning how to use rap. We are doing something with small face sharing groups in the fall. I'm imagining that it will be the rap or Lexio in, in the fall and Alexander will create us a new, we are praying about alpha and other ways we can create these, but shout out to Francis Cabrini. They mm-hmm. were telling me something about when anybody comes to say, I want my child baptized, or I want to go through RCA right away. They hook them into a small face sharing group. 
Mm-hmm. And I just, I pray that that's something that we can do. Cause I think people come to Sacred Heart because they maybe don't feel like they fit in somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so to get them to join a small faith sharing group and really walk with others, that would be our hope. We think that, that God has put that on our hearts and we're confident that we will go forward in similar ways. Kathy, thank you. Thanks for what you did. Thanks for sharing this, this story. I mean, just your own. 11 of 12. And yeah, just what, what you all did at, at Sacred Heart. I mean, I think it's an appropriate first task, right, for us to begin to kind of re-get to know each other as we're kind of waking up after the pandemic, you know, and to draw our own members to Jesus. But I love that you were already trying to go beyond that, you know, try, trying to look beyond the borders of your current ministry, trying to get to the peripheries. That's really beautiful. And again, I mean, Father Dave is just, he's, you know, collaborative leadership. We're doing it on our staff. And I just am so grateful for that. And we just have, we have an amazing staff, Matt and Sue and Pam. And we're just, we're having a lot of fun, just bringing, bringing people to Jesus. And we hope that we're doing that. But, you know, again, Sacred Heart has always been a welcoming place, but we want them to know Jesus and our faith in in a new way. Yeah. Thank you. Kathy, thank you for being with us. If you have not, if you are anywhere in Omaha and you have never checked out uh, Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Omaha, it's worth a visit. Uh, go you check it out. View us online. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can watch. We're still, yeah. Our Mass is 8, 15, and 1030 are still on our YouTube channel, our website, and daily Mass, too. So you can pray with us then. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah. All right, everybody. If this has been inspiring, helpful for you, you know how to share share this out. Let people know. Thanks for being with us, everybody.